Well, uh, welcome again. And uh, I just want to honor Emma, our, if, uh, I was going to say our evangeliz evangelism officer, but uh, well, that may be prophetic, you know. But Emma, just stand up. She hates, she's going to hate me now. Stand up there. Give her a big clap. And the reason you clapped her is that she uh, handles all of our communications and PA, uh, PR, and she's brilliant at it and does an enormous job and relate, you know, talks to various people. But she produced this summer prayer diary, and, and I just say this is a great piece of work. Absolutely fabulous. I do hope you're following it and you're using it. And incidentally, in terms of daily Bible studies and stuff, if you get the app, the church app, which is free, then there's a daily reading that is, you can actually hear it. You can drive along and it can be reading it. It's absolutely tremendous. Today's is all about Nehemiah, building the city walls and all the rest of it. It's great. So use that too. But, but this last week, we started with the kingdom of God, and that's absolutely, I can't think of a better place to begin, because Jesus' magnificent obsession was the kingdom of God. He was, I've said it many, many times. I'm going to say it till the day I die. He taught about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like this. And of course, we as vineyard people in particular, we, we have this, this kind of slant on the kingdom of God. And that's simply this, that the kingdom is wherever Jesus is. Where the king is, there is the kingdom. And so where, where Jesus is present, it's not about Israel, it's not about the land, it's, it's where Jesus is. There is the kingdom of God. And that's why it's so important that, that church is valued in the way that Jesus intended it to be. Because where we gather together, Jesus is there. And we carry Jesus in our hearts, and that is the kingdom of God. You know, the kingdom of God is within you, as well as near you and around you, and so on and so forth. So if you haven't ever done it, you know, read through the Gospels looking for Jesus' references to the kingdom. They come thick and fast, again and again and again and again. It was his, as I say, magnificent obsession. The, the second topic that he was his favorite was talking about our treasure, where our treasure is, our money, our finances, our belongings. And, and people are often surprised about that. They think, what? And they sort of thumb through the Bible. But actually, he, he realized what we're like. And we get distracted by things. And we, we, we give our affections to things that perhaps we shouldn't do. And so, so he was always talking about that. Because ultimately, if, we, if, if our affection isn't first and foremost for Christ, well, then it's with an idol. It may be very good. It may be wonderful. It may be very noble. But if, if it's not Christ, if he isn't on the very throne of your heart, then it is an idol. It becomes something that should be good, becomes something that is negative. And so, so I'm delighted that we're praying through this, and it's so, so helpful, and so well done, Em. You do an outstanding job. I'm going to hopefully do an outstanding job this morning, preaching from God's Word. We have this year made it a bit of a, a mission to teach about prayer and intercession, and I'm so encouraged, genuinely, uh, just to see how the church is kind of rising to this and beginning to get it and beginning to understand that, you know, that, that there, is, there is not only a call to prayer, but there is a way to prayer that, that will, will fast-track us into the very presence of God, into that thing we call kingdom. Always begins with worship. It always begins with us honoring God, you know, the Lord's Prayer. We kind of did a little twist on it just to help us to, to freshen it up, to understand. We, we began by saying... Our Father who art in heaven, let your name be honored in all the earth. Before we pray daily bread and all the rest of it, let your name be honored in all the earth. Let your kingdom come in all the earth. Let your will be done in all the earth. And if you were here at the beginning of this series, you will remember that I said that, 
that the, the, the Orthodox Jew, as he opens his eyes, prays a little prayer of blessing. Thank you, Lord, for opening my eyes. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me with breath. Thank you, Lord. It's a little, little kind of blessing they pray. And interestingly enough, I don't know if you're following this rather harrowing series called The Honorable Woman on television. I'm not necessarily recommending it. I'm just sort of into it now. Anybody watching it? Does... Yeah, some of you are watching that. Uh, every time, it's a Jewish family at the heart of this, every time the husband wakes up, as his head is on the pillow, and it's happened three or four times, as he wakes up, he says this little prayer blessing. I thought, oh, wow, that's cool, you know. I'll watch it because of that, you know. <laughs> I, I want to see how many times he does the blessing, you know. <laughs> right, we'll move quickly on before a thunderbolt gets me, you know. <laughs> okay, right. So, as part of this... Uh, this series, Day and Night Until, I've been doing a kind of a sub-series called Grander Vision Living in the book of Ephesians. There, it's a very, very rich uh, passage, the book of Ephesians, and the teaching has been very, very rich indeed. Yeah. Well, there wasn't much enthusiasm. <laughs> but I'm not going to recap it. That's all I'm really wanting to say. It's too much for me to recap. If you missed out... Just go on to our podcasts. We, we haven't had the video cast the last couple of weeks, but just go on the podcasts and you'll catch up with this. So this is kind of like week three. And um, so let me just say this in order to kind of get a bit of context. You know, we've got this grander vision living idea going, which is really what Paul is wanting to communicate to the Ephesians and more than the Ephesians. It is generally believed that this was an open letter sent to the Ephesians, one of the largest churches of its day. Some people have said, I don't know how these work these things out, but actually the Ephesian church at one time ran to nearly 50,000 people. I don't know that, but I have been to Ephesus in Turkey, as some of you may have done, and you walk around there and it seems like every lintel through this kind of semi-derelict city, and it's big, has got a fish over it or a cross on it. It's, it's like the the Christians won the day, you know, it was amazing. But this letter was sent by Paul while he was in prison to the Ephesians to encourage them, but it was an open letter. It was like, look, read it and, and, and then get some of the scribes to copy it out and send it round. This was a general letter to them all. And he was at pains to, to give people this grander vision so that they saw how their faith, their work, their witness fitted into this. And this is what I've been trying to unpack. There were a couple of major things that he wanted us to know. Ephesians 1, 9, and 10, and I will recap this. Let's just throw that up on the screen. And he says this, And he made known to us the mystery, this mystery thing, imagery is very strong with Paul. He says the gospel was a mystery. But now the mystery, you know, it has been made known, has been made known to you. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to bring all things in heaven and on earth under the one head, even Christ. Everything, everything was going to be brought together under Christ and that is such a reassuring, timely word for us when everything seems to be falling apart. We look at the Middle East, indeed we look at the whole sort of southern Mediterranean area, Liberia and uh, and Tunisia, and Egypt, and beyond, and it's just all falling apart. All those years of diplomacy, all that, you know, what's it amounted to? A bloodbath. Everything seems to be falling apart. And yet, the gospel is absolutely counterculture. It says this, that God's intent is, and it will be, 
And it will come to pass to bring all things together in unity under Christ. So that's the first sort of big thing that we've majored on. Now, today, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 3. And some of you may have wondered why I hadn't got to this sooner, but because I wanted to set the scene properly. And let me just say this. It begins in Ephesians. We're going to look at the, the, the little prayer, sort of uh, just give you a heads up on this. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. But the chapter begins with this word, these words, for this reason. For this reason. And the reason was, if you miss it, or we haven't got it yet, was what I said last week. So listen to that talk and the week before that. He's been building a case for this reason. For this reason, Paul says. And then he, he kind of gets a bit distracted. He, he says, for this reason I, Paul, this is all verse 1, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of the gentleness. And he says, surely you know. And he kind of digresses. He's just about to kick off into something. And he digresses and he talks about his calling as an apostle. How his calling was not just of the Jews but to the Greeks as well, the Gentiles. And he talks about that. And he summarizes it beautifully a little bit further down. Uh, and uh, verse 12, and we'll throw this up on the screen. And it, it says here, In Christ, in him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. That is the gospel. That whereas we may have towered before God before... Where we may have run from God, where we may have, like Adam and Eve, Eve, hidden from God because of sin in our life, he says it's all. This is, you know, it's all changed in Christ since His death and resurrection. Everything's changed. Complete game changer, to use that sort of culture current phrase. And now, whoever, whatever, wherever you are, in Christ through faith in Him. We can approach God with freedom and confidence. And there you have it. It's the gospel. It's wonderful. And let that minister to your heart. So Paul has kind of started. He was about to say something. Then he kind of gets distracted. And then finally we get to what he's about to say. And we will read that, the text. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. And let's just uh, read that. You know what? I'm going to do what I did a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to ask you to stand, please. And let's read this together uh, from the screen. <clears throat> Thank you. Just sort of honor God's word and this prayer for the church and a prayer for us. Okay, everybody. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the very of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, this work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. 
wonderful. Isn't it good when the church reads scripture? I love it. We should do that more often. Okay, so for this reason. So he resumes the thought. Verse 14, he says, for, all right, okay, for this reason. He resumes what he started, that which has gone before. Read it this afternoon if you, if you need reminding. But he says then, he says, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven. Let's just stop there. I kneel before the Father. You know, it's common for us, not exclusively, but it's, it's common for us to kneel before God when we pray. So maybe if you were raised in a family that had a Christian heritage, maybe your grandma, your ma, your dad, whoever taught you to kneel and pray beside the bed, whatever. I kneel before the Father. In Jewish culture, you stand to pray. And as we know, Paul was a good Jewish boy, a very good Jewish boy, the very best of Jewish boys, an impeccable, impeccable sort of lineage and history. And he will have known that you pray standing. But what Paul is wanting to do here is to provide emphasis. He says, you know, I'm like, I'm like you know, I collapse before God. I beg God. I'm begging him like, like, like somebody for a, before a great king begging for some favor or, or, or mercy. I beg God. I, so the emphasis is really ramped up. So I am really praying for you guys. I kneel before the God and Father. And it says this, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. The um, NIV uh, is pretty, it's poetic, but it kind of complicates things a little bit. The intent here is that he's really saying, you know, from whom all things were created. That's really the, the intent. So I'm told in the Greek. I did a bit of Greek at college, but not enough to really be dangerous, you know. Um, <laughs> in fact, not knowing enough is dangerous, you know, but, but I read good commentaries. So the, the, the real sense here is that he's saying, from, from whom, whether you're Jew or Gentile, you know, get over it, Jews, if you're struggling with the Gentiles. Gentiles, stop being arrogant and sniffy towards the Jews. Under Christ, we're all going to be one. So where, wherever you come from, whatever your background, whatever your family heritage or whatever, I kneel, this, it all comes from God, he says. All comes from God. In Christ, we're one. And he goes on, and then he comes to the actual prayers. I'll read them each, there's three really, and I'll read them and then I'll unpack them a little bit. So the first one then is this. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You know, I have for many years <clears throat> read this prayer and prayed it for myself and my family and my children. And it works. Christ dwelling in our hearts. That, that's actually common language. Uh, many an evangelist uh, may have prayed a prayer or promoted or spoken the gospel about Jesus coming into our hearts. We, we talk about Christ living in our hearts. Linda was telling me, I don't know where Linda's gone, but uh, Linda was telling me this week that one of her grandkids, she was in the car taking her to school this week, and the grandkids, uh, what, this granddaughter said to her grandma, she said, I don't want Jesus to live in my heart. And Linda kind of went, oh, 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 oh my gosh, what's this? And she said, well, why is that, honey? 
And she said, well, he's so big he might break me. <laughs> you know, we use this language, dwelling in our hearts. Curiously enough, that, you know, it's very common, that's all I'm trying to say, it's very common in Christianese in the West. Jesus dwelling in our hearts. Actually, in the scriptures, this is about the only reference to it. Living in your heart. And actually, what the scriptures tend to talk about most is not Christ being within us, but us being in Christ. It's a very, very important distinction. Because when you understand that actually what God is doing is, is gathering us together to be in Christ, you begin to understand that we are built into community. So all these kind of clever clogs who say, well, I believe in Christ, but I don't go to church, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's so totally in error. They do not know the word of God. Because the scripture, I mean, I think in Ephesians, I don't know, Dennis might correct me later on, I think there's 19 references to being in Christ. In Christ, in Christ. We are gathered together in Christ. That's why us being together and working together and having vision together and doing life together and trying to take the world for Jesus together, that is, that, that is absolutely God's intent. We are in Christ. Now, I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying that Christ doesn't dwell in my heart. Please, God, he does, and more so. And it really does work you know, on a personal level, so don't stop praying it if you've prayed this prayer before on a very personal level. You know, personalize it by all means. But do not lose sight of the fact that the intent was that actually he's writing to a church, and not just one church, but a very big church, and not just a very big church, to a whole community. And he's saying, you know, you are in Christ. You have been enfolded in. You have been embraced. You have been drawn into Christ. And he is the head. And he's going to say that later on, but although we won't get to say that. It's more about us being in him than he in us. An important distinction. Please carry that one with you. But he prays basically that that what he wants to see in the church is this Christ-likeness. So, you know, we've been doing this watchman ministry for 25 years, and we pray, don't we? The first thing we pray is that we might become like Christ, that we might grow up in Christ, that we might see the world in Christ, that we might do life in Christ, that we might do community in Christ, carrying with us this understanding that that through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross at Calvary, where our sins were forgiven, personal sins, what that means is that then we can come into God's presence with confidence, without shame, and in that place we are included in his family. Very, very high stress on, on the community here, the togetherness in all of this. So his first prayer then is, and this is our prayer, you know, pray that Christ may dwell in our hearts, but understand, not, it's not just personal. It's about all of us being in Christ. Secondly, he goes on to say this, and I'm going to summarize this by saying, pray that we might grasp the magnitude of his mercy. Now, that's a nice bit of alliteration there, but actually it's, it pales in comparison with the text itself. So let's just look at that. And... Um, I'll read it out. I don't think I'm going to have it thrown up on the screen unless it's a surprise for me. But anyway, it says here. It says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints. There it is, that corporate thing. You know, together with all the saints. You're not just applying your own furrow here. You know, it's for all, this is an inclusive thing. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That's the next prayer. I'll stop there. 
He wants, to, he, he wants this to go so deep in us so that when trials and tribulations come, and bear in mind, Paul himself is writing this from prison. And he says one of his purposes in writing to them while he is in prison is not to say, oh, oh, please, 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 please pray for me. I've been in prison for all this time, and, you know, they don't really feed me, and there's no one to see, and I don't know what's going on. Oh, God, please pray. It's not a pity party. He's writing with this vision of grander vision living, even though he's confined within a, he may have been under house arrest, but actually there were times when he was spent in jail. He's writing to say this. He's saying, look, look, you know, whatever happens to me, you've got to understand, this is, this is, to bring, this is going to bring glory to Christ. There's no one in Caesar's household that does not know that I'm in prison and that I'm for Christ. Kabang. I'm prepared to, to die if necessary. Is that something for you to, to, to cause you fear and anxiety? No, no, of course not. If I go to be with Christ, that'll be great. If I stay with you, that'll be great. You see, I am in Christ, and I am deeply rooted, he's saying. I am deeply rooted in Christ. And he says, you know what? I want you to be deeply rooted in Christ. So that when trials and tribulations come, you're not blown away. I remember last winter, do you remember? It's fun, hard to remember this, actually, when the weather's so beautiful at the moment. But last winter, we had one or two storms, and there was one morning, I remember, I was studying at home, and the... the they said that there might be hurricane-force winds. Maybe you remember that. Maybe your shed got blown over your neighbor's fence or something like that. I don't know. But that was only last winter and a few months ago. Of course, we had all the floods and everything. But, but you know, what, what the imagery is like here is it's being buffeted by the things of this world, by trials and tribulations and all manner of stuff, you know. And you just have to read through the book of Acts to, to, to get the background story and what Paul had to endure. I mean, he was stoned and shipwrecked and they had to escape one night in a big basket being let down from a wall. I mean, it's just a right crazy old life, you know. But he never once said, God, you're supposed to look after me. What is this all about? What's happening here? Why? He never did that. You see, he was deeply rooted in Christ. And he knew that in this world, in this life, we will always have trials and tribulations. It's funny, ever since we started that Growing Family campaign, we've had some trials and tribulations. I'm not gonna, I'm not, some of them you know about, some things I have shared, and others I'm not going to bother to share, actually. But we have had trials and tribulations. I'll come back to the end. There's one trial and tribulation I really want you to pray about. So, whenever you step out in faith, whenever you step out in the name of Christ... There's going to be flat. Wesley used to say, I must be doing something wrong. There's one famous time in his journals when he says, well, I must be doing something wrong. Nobody's thrown anything at me for three days. <laughs> I mean, man. He was thinking he was falling away from Christ. He was glowing dim. And yet here we are in the 21st century still talking about that champion of the faith, John Wesley. Any of the great you know, heroes of the faith have undergone trials and tribulations. And Paul's prayer is basically this. I pray that you're rooted. Not just doing church, happy clappy and all the rest of it. I love happy clappy, don't get me wrong. But you know what I'm saying? There's a reason for our joy. And our joy is that we are living our lives in an internal perspective rooted in Christ. So his second prayer then. 
His second prayer is that, that we might be rooted and established in love. And then he goes on, and my third little tag here is, pray that we might know the unknowable. Now, this in one sense, it's obviously a, a paradox there. I mean, how can you know the unknowable? But actually, that's Paul's very point. And the time and again, as I, as I mentioned in my introduction, he talks about the gospel having been a mystery. Nobody could have foreseen. Nobody had guessed. Nobody had foreseen what God the Father had on his mind to do. Satan didn't. If Satan had even had a whiff of what God the Father had in mind, he would never, ever have sent, used mortal men to send Jesus to the cross. As it is, he played right into God the Father's hands. Why? Well, because Jesus is God. Why? Because when Jesus hung on the cross, it wasn't just the end of a promising career. Why? Because when Jesus hung on that cross, it was God's intent. Read Isaiah 53, is it? 53. That as the spotless Lamb of God, to use picture language, hung upon that cross, the sins of the world, your sin and my sin, was laid upon him. God himself bore our sins on the cross at Calvary. He, he paid the ultimate penalty. He lost his life. He died. And because of his sinlessness personally, he was able to do that. You know, Den loves me and I love Den, but to be honest with you, Den could not, buy for my, could not die for my sins. Why? Because Den has his own sins. Who's going to die for Den's sins? You know? It doesn't work. But if Den was spotless, had lived all his 37 years um, <laughs> without sin. If he was the only man that had worked the face of this earth, walked the face of this earth without sin, then he could say, you know what, Father, I, I will pay for Chris's sin. Well, okay then, if you insist. But the sinless Son of God, he paid for our sins. This was absolutely out of left field. And all of creation, all that is seen and unseen, said, whoa, did you see that coming? I didn't see that coming. Did you see that coming? And no wonder that hell and Satan and all the demons screamed when they realized what they had done. They had, they had facilitated, instead of ob obstructed, the Savior of the world and his grand mission to bring all things back together under God's rule and glory. Hallelujah. I want to become a Pentecostal. Yes. <laughs> Do you want a fliss? Not yet. No, okay. Yes. 30 years I've been playing that same sort of line with her. Okay. So Paul's point is, look, he says, you know, I've, I've outlined this gospel to you. My prayer is you get it. It was unknowable, and for many still, it's, it's, it's a mystery. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't hang together. It doesn't feel right. But actually, for those who are being saved, for those whom God is revealing it to, the mystery is kind of fading away like mist on a hot summer's morning. Just disappearing. When Sam and I 
went down to Le Mans with my old car a couple of weeks ago. We got up at four in the morning, just, as dawn, just before dawn, actually. We were driving down to Dover. And throughout Kent, there were these kind of eerie, really spooky, like hammer horror, sort of fingers of mist. It was bizarre. But as the sun rose and the heat rose, they kind of disappeared. The mystery, that which was a complete and utter mystery, kind of evaporates in the light of Christ. And suddenly we realize that you and I can approach the Father with confidence because Jesus, our Savior, the sinless Lamb of God, has taken our sin and dealt with that which separated us. Paul prays that we might know the unknowable. And that comes with revelation. That comes as Christ draws us in. We find ourselves knowing. So three things. Pray that Christ may dwell in our hearts. Yep. Pray that we may grasp the magnitude of his mercy. And pray that we might know the unknowable. And the last thing, in the light of all this, and this is a verse that we've looked at a number of times over the last two or three years, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, it says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his, his power that is at work within us, to him be glory where? In the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Wonderful passage. We've taught on it. We will talk and teach on it more. But really... What I've been able to do over the last three weeks is give you a set of lenses to, to view this statement almost. You know, as we pray this, as we, as we catch, as we begin to grasp hold of this grander vision living, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about cuddles from Jesus, it's much, much bigger than all of that. As we begin to grasp this, as we see his plans and his purpose and his passion for the world, and his inclusive heart for the world, and his, his passion to see his kingdom come, not just in some airy-fairy sort of notion, but in reality, you know, and, and our response today is this growing family campaign. That's the challenge before us. As we do this, suddenly we, we have this faith based on his person, his nature, the prayer of the apostles, those prayers that we pray, that God will do it. God will do it. And I'm all but done, but I said there was one thing I wanted to draw to your attention. How does this work out today? How, how, how is all, you know, what's the present day challenge? Grander vision, vision living, but what, what's the next step for us? What I have said to you for months now, I believe the next step is to buy another building. A physical expression, a physical presence, a physical, because we need the space, but, but a physical expression of God's kingdom here among us. Now, God bless you. Many of you have given to this, this, this grander vision, uh, this growing family campaign. Here it is. You've taken that home and you've given. Many of you haven't. I was a little surprised. I'm not going to give figures, but I asked Karen in the office to give me just the numbers, not the names, the numbers of the uh, given our size congregation. Now, and not everybody has given. In fact, not, uh, I think a little more than 50% of people have not yet given. Now, brothers and sisters, I have to say to you, I am really concerned. 
You know, at, as of this moment, we, we have 667,000 pounds. You know, and I, I have to say to you, to raise that kind of money in, in four months is amazing. It really is, you know, and I applaud you. Bless your heart, you know. But we need to raise some more. We really do. And it's getting very urgent. Something rather unnerving happened on Thursday, which I need to tell you about and ask you to go away and pray about. On Thursday, at the end of the afternoon, we have a, a, a meal and a meeting, a kind of a life uh, connect group for, for some of our feed clients, and many others come along as well. And I usually go home about five-ish, and it goes on until when it finishes, you know. I got a, a text about an hour or so after I had uh, got home, and, and in this text, uh, Michelle, one of our staff members, said, uh, you may like to know that uh, a bunch of people turned up to view the building across the road, and that's the one we set our heart on. And one of the feed clients invited them to come over, and uh, they did. And they were very interested, and they looked around. And uh, Michelle actually had an opportunity to, to chat to, to one of them. People were chatting to them all over the place. And this guy said, well, we're Arabs. And uh, we'd like to buy this place to turn it into a community center, a mosque. Is that okay with you? It ain't okay with me. If you ever thought that this was a bit of a pie in Chris's eye or stuff, folks, please, I, I, I beg, I stand on my, please. Please. Seek God's face again on this. We cannot let this happen. We cannot let this happen. I tried to ring the agent on Friday. He's on holiday, but he's back on Monday. I, I, I need to be able to say to him, look, we want this place. What's it going to take? Please, guys, don't leave it to the 42% that I have. Please. You know? I, I beg you. I, I think I would die if every morning I came out here and there was a mosque opposite here. I would just die. Please, guys, just pray. I'm not going to say any more, but please pray. Uh, th that's right. Have I, have I told the story right, Michelle? She's nodding. She's saying, ask her. Okay. Last thought. Paul's prayer in all of this that we might be filled to the fullness of God. He wants us not to put any kind of limits on God. God's work here in the 21st century here in St. Albans. Oh, yeah, well, we've got enough space here. This is quite right. This is fine. We don't want to be bothered with. Chris may talk about warehouses, but, but no, this is fine. Let's not put limits on God. God is able to do far more than we can even hope or ask or imagine. Let's not put limits on him. Let's not be, and I've told this story before, but forgive me, I'll tell it again. It's a very good story. My, my, my sister and brother-in-law, they have a lovely Japanese daughter-in-law. And at the wedding, they had to go to Japan, and it's a very traditional wedding, Shinto wedding. And uh, they were put in a very traditional house, uh, a hotel place. And so my, my sister, it's all new, and they're, they're my sister and brother-in-law, they're all wide-eyed, and this is all fascinating. They check into this hotel, and they go up to their room, and they open the door, and it's this kind of little rice paper room. You know the kind of thing? You've seen it on the movies. And it's kind of like rice paper walls, and on the floor there was a little 
roll of, of kind of um, something or other, and then there was a couple of uh, pairs of sandals, and then there was a couple of mats, absolutely bare. My sister, she's a real trooper. She goes in there, she says, she's got like two Samsonite cases, you know, and she goes and she says, right, okay, no, 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 this is good, this is, this is fine, this is good. So she starts unpacking, and she's got her little piles of clothes there, and, and Marcel unrolls one of these grass mats, and he's trying to get comfortable like this. <laughs> you can imagine. Anyway, my, my, my nephew comes in, and he says, Mom, Dad, what are you doing? And, you know, Tilly's sort of trying to get her things, stuff sorted out, and he says, what are you doing? And he walks straight out across the room, and he gets one of these walls, and he slides it past, and there's this huge, great big bedroom with wonderful lack of furniture, you know, luxurious. And they were in the kind of closet, basically. <laughs> it's a lovely story. It's true. It cracks me up every... Do you know what? I don't want to stay in the closet of Christianity. There's many Christians who will tell us, we're too big anyway. We, you know, we've done enough. or We're, you know, we're presumptuous. Maybe that's in your heart. Let's not put limits on what God can do. Thank you. I want us to be filled to the fullness of God and not arrive in heaven and an angel not meet my eyes and mutter, if only you... No, 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 no. God forbid. Come on, folks. We're in this together. We need to push again. Amen? Amen. Let's have Dan up. Thank you. Let's all stand. What are you going to finish on, Dan? Something rousing, I hope. Good, that's great. I feel all roused. <laughs> Sorry. Did you know this is my son-in-law? Give him a clap as well. Yeah. Uh, and this guy... No, no. I've got a door. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Getting a bit hyper now. Calm down, Chris. Let's pray. Oh, God. Let your honor be. Let your honor be known throughout the earth. Lord God, we want to say it's not okay for that place across there to be turned into a mosque. It's not okay with us. It really isn't. Please help us, Lord God, to rise to the challenge. Please help us to rise to the challenge. And Lord God, whatever comes our way, may we be deeply rooted in you. Whatever comes our way, may we be deeply rooted in you. That we might know you in all your fullness. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.